Welcome to the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. We're putting black girl magic in motion. This show is dedicated to reinventing wellness for women of color. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. At the time that I'm recording this, it is December 2018. I cannot believe how quickly this year has gone by. The fact that it's December, almost Christmas, almost 2019 is completely blowing my mind. And I do plan on putting out kind of some 2018 recap content a little bit later on the podcast and on the blog, but I just, I had to put that out there. And I know it's so annoying when people say it, especially YouTubers, when every month they're like, it's crazy that another month has flown by, but legitimately cannot believe 2018 is almost over. Not upset about it. 2018 needs to be over, but I just feel like the time has flown by. However, I hope 2018 has been a great year for you. I hope you have enjoyed this holiday season and that you are getting some time in with the people you care about because that's what the season is for. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to give you the review of the week. It says, I can't tell you how excited I was for this podcast as a representation in the health and wellness podcast needs to be shaken up a little bit. Les continues to bring on women who provide a range of stories and insights that incorporate holistic wellness. I've left each and every episode with a few gems and there have been multiple times throughout each episode where I'm yelling out, yes, girl, continue to shine and create amazing content, Les. Thank you so much for this amazing review. I particularly loved this review because I'm very particular about the women that I bring on to the show and the conversations that I have with these women and the fact that that is appreciated by you listening. I I really, really appreciate that and do not take it for granted and am so happy that you are here listening. If you have not yet left a review for the Balanced Black Girl podcast on iTunes, please do so. It is a huge help to the show. That is how people find us if we continue getting a steady stream of reviews. So if you could take just a moment, it literally takes a second to just rate and review the podcast if it resonates with you, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Also, as far as community announcements go, like I said, at the time that I'm recording this, we are in December 2018. This is the first month we have kicked off the Balanced Black Girl Book Club, and our first read is Becoming by Michelle Obama. Um, Several of us have already started it. Go ahead and jump into the book if you haven't already. It is a great read. Maybe read it if you have some holiday vacation coming up. Um, It's just, it's a really, really great read. And if you want to connect with a group of women to talk to about it, please join the Balanced Black Girl Podcast community group on Facebook. If you just go to Facebook and search Balanced Black Girl Podcast group, and I'll also have it linked in the show notes, um, you can join us there in the Facebook group and we can all chat and it'll be great. And for you Seattle people, please be on the lookout for our very first book club meetup. Yes, we're doing an IRL meetup around the book club. So make sure you read the book. Keep an eye out. We are looking at the early to mid-January timeframe, but more details will be coming up soon around that. All right. So all of that said, let's jump into today's episode. You will get to meet Miss Bree Braggs, who was just wonderful She is the founder of Fertile Alchemy, which you will learn more about in our conversation. She and I just had such a great conversation about everything from fertility, which is kind of the main theme of the conversation, um, which I encourage every woman to listen to, regardless of whether you want to start a family, whether you're not ready, whether you don't ever plan to, still understanding your fertility and where you're at in your preconception health is super important, even if you're not planning on starting a family as a woman, your reproductive health really correlates highly to your overall health. So even for someone like me who has no intention of starting a family anytime soon, it was still a topic that I was really excited to talk about. She has a wealth of knowledge. We talk a lot about that. We talk a lot about just overall health for women of color and her experiences as a black woman working in the wellness industry. She and I actually connected over that um, 
previously before even recording this episode, which you will also learn more about. And she just has some really incredible insights. I was so excited to talk to her. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Welcome back to the Balanced Black Girl podcast. Today, I'm joined by Brie Braggs, the founder of Fertile Alchemy. Brie is a certified holistic health coach who's passionate about educating women on the importance of preconception health and creating a new narrative around their fertility. Welcome to the show, Brie. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you um, because I think that your work is really, really impactful and really interesting. And I think the topic of taking care of our fertility and taking control of our fertility, even long before we're ready necessarily to conceive is something that's really important and not often discussed. So really excited. Me too. Yeah. So before we dive into the questions, um, can you just tell us a little bit more about yourself, where you're from and the work you do? Sure. Yeah. I am um, originally from Oklahoma City. I moved to Houston um, five years, actually six years ago this month. That's funny. Um, And after I moved here, I kind of was ready for a career change. I originally started off in merchandising, which um, fashion merchandising, which I absolutely loved, but it was not fulfilling. And we all know retail can like suck the life out of you. So I decided to do um, a career change. And at that time, I was really um, just got married. And so I was really into family planning. And I did a lot of research and realized there was not much information about preconception health and what was out there was mostly just like eat healthy vegetables um reduce your stress drink enough water and take a prenatal but what about the other things um that we need to prepare ourselves what about the emotional aspects of preparing ourselves to be a mother or the spiritual aspects and so i realized there wasn't enough information and i really kind of just dove in for myself originally and started posting what i found online and Um, I was kind of using Instagram as my blog at the time, and um, people were really loving what I was posting, and they're wanting me to help them. And so at the time, I was also in um, training for to become a certified holistic health coach, and I started taking on clients who, you know, really needing help preparing their body for conception, and then also just women who were totally out of sync with their bodies. A lot of them were on birth control and they were wanting to transition off of birth control and have more body literacy. Um, and so that's where Fertile Alchemy really came from and really where it started. And I absolutely love working with so many women and all different backgrounds, married, unmarried, with kids, no kids. So it's really awesome. Yeah, that is, I think that is really awesome because I think what a lot of women don't understand is your preconception health whether you want to have children or not, or whether you want to have children now or not, is still, as a woman, heavily, heavily related to your overall health. So kind of regardless of where you are on that spectrum of maybe wanting to start a family biologically, your preconception health is still so, so important. Absolutely. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about your personal health journey? So how you got into holistic health and what made you want to educate others on these topics? Sure. So... I actually had an amazing health teacher in high school. Um, I want to say it was maybe my junior or senior year. And she showed us like all this, the crazy documentaries that we used to watch about health. And um, I think it was, I can't remember. I remember one of them was the guy who just went on the juice cleanse and he lost all this weight and healed himself. I can't remember what it's called. But that movie really inspired me to take better control of my health. And so I remember I was kind of like a health Nazi back then, telling my mom, don't eat this, don't eat that, stop eating McDonald's. Um, and my, my, my family probably did hate me at that time. Um, but that's all right, um, because they're healthier now. But um, and so I was really inspired by that. And I went off to school, and I kind of got a little sidetracked my freshman year of college, as we all do, because you had limited options. Um, and so, but it was always in the back of my mind. And then all of a sudden, I want to say um, maybe 2010, I stopped being able to really do um, gluten and dairy. And I was trying to figure out what is the problem. I was eating gluten dairy my whole life. Um, and so I went and got tested for celiacs. And I went and did all these sensitivity, food sensitivity trainings. And she was telling me, you know what, you're not coming up for celiacs, but maybe you just have an intolerance. 
And so I was determined to kind of figure it out. And I realized that um, a lot of it had to do with the way food is manufactured in America. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't that I necessarily just had all these allergies all of a sudden. It was that I had been eating too much of those things. Um, and a lot of them were um, exposed to glyphosate, which also can... Um, which if you don't know what that is, it is a pesticide used and it's banned in Europe. It's banned in many, many countries, but it is still used um, in America and it can just really wreak habit on your digestive system. And I think that's just kind of what happened to me. And so I knew that I had to make a really big shift in the way that I was eating and the way that I was kind of living my lifestyle because I was just like losing weight and, but still puffy at the same time, which is kind of a weird thing to be. Um, and I just wasn't, I was feeling ill. I wasn't feeling good. So I just kind of did an overhaul of my diet. I started doing green smoothies every day. I stopped eating gluten. I stopped eating dairy and I started feeling much better. And I just shared with people that journey. So especially around this time of year, I'm making gluten-free or dairy-free replacements for traditional things. And people are so, oh my gosh, I never thought you could make gluten-free dressing, for instance, for Thanksgiving or, um, you know, amazing pastries and stuff like that. And that's what I mostly really like sharing about being gluten-free or dairy-free is that you can still have um, amazing food and and not be such an irritant to your body. So I kind of went off on a tangent there, but (laughs) yeah, that's mostly kind of where um, I got started with my health journey is just not being able to eat the foods that I could eat. I used to eat anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's something that is so relatable for a lot of people. And what a lot of people are starting to wake up to is that what you eat has a direct correlation to how you feel. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So in working with your clients, what are some of the most common maybe fertility or hormone related issues that you see? Um, I definitely see most of the clients that I've seen have PCOS, Mm. um, which is one of the most common diagnoses for women overall. So it's not surprising that I see that so commonly. Um, And second to that would be endometriosis and then just general hormone imbalance. I have yet personally to meet a woman whose was just her hormones were just like completely balanced and she needed no type of help. Um, And that's just because of the society we live in. We are getting less sleep. We're exposed to our phones, the blue light in our phones. Um, We are, we're very ambitious, which is a great thing, but that also sometimes if our ambition, we let that get in the way of our self care, that can wreak havoc on on our hormones. Um, And so most of the women that I see, they, they have that going on, especially I would say PCOS and a lot of them have um, are trying to come off of birth control and their hormones are just so out of whack from being on it for six years, 10 years, and they have no idea how to get their body back in sync. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If a woman is maybe ready to start really taking charge of her fertility or really ready to start being serious about her preconception health, what are maybe like the first three steps that she should take to move in the right direction? She, the first thing she should do is start tracking her cycle Mm -hmm. so that she knows when she's ovulating, when she's menstruating, um, and the phases in between those. The second thing will do is to make sure, um, look at what she's eating, what she's putting into her body. And that's not just food because I want to talk about, um, you know, nourishment is not just what you're eating. It's what are you watching? What are you, the kind of conversations that you're having? Um, And really pay attention to your diet, which is not just food again, it's everything. Um, And then lastly, making sure that, um, and I know this is so cliche, but um, rest is so, it's so important. And not just sleeping, but taking time to just allow your body to do absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. So you can be awake during that time, but just, you know, we're so go, go, go today in this today's world. It's like, you know, just taking some time to just sit there. Maybe it's just 30 minutes of deep breathing um, and really getting in touch with your breath. Um, it's, I think those are the three things that if you can do those three things very fast um, within three months, I think that you'll, you'll notice a difference for sure. Absolutely. I think those are all really great 
tips that are also super easy to implement and get started with. I, I want to circle back on the tracking the cycle point because I think that's really interesting and I think it's something that a lot of women probably don't don't do or especially if they've spent years on birth control they've kind of never had to because they get maybe the fake period that comes with the pill um, that they just kind of don't have to think about. So how do you recommend women track their cycle? Are there apps that you recommend or just writing things down and what do you think they should look for? Um, when starting out, I think the best thing to do is to write things down. And I kind of discourage women from using an app at first because, for, well, for two reasons. One, I really want you to encourage body literacy. I don't want you to pin on anything but your intuition and your own knowing. Mm. Two, um, a lot of these apps, <laughs> and then you'll see if you go out there and do some research, will have you getting pregnant if you don't want to. Mm. So you have to really pay attention because some of them, they use algorithms. And if you're not good at, at making sure that you put in every single period on the exact start date, um, it might not work. Even mm. then the al algorithms vary from app to app. So it, it just, I, there's some are, are better than others, but I just would not depend on an app because especially if you're trying not to get pregnant. Um, if you're trying to get pregnant, it, it's, I mean, you're, you're open. But if you're trying to avoid pregnancy, definitely don't depend on an app. The best thing you can do is having body literacy. So, um, and to start with that, you can start tracking your cycle. You'll start on day one of your menstru of menstruation. So you'll put down day one of my cycle. Um, and every single day, you will kind of jot down a few notes. So, you know, if it's first day, my I'm feeling a little bit crampy. My um, flow is a bit heavy. And every day you're going to write notes. And you're going to notice the physical changes. When you start and get around day um, 13, day, day 12, 13, 14, that's usually around ovulation time for most women. Um, and that's when you'll notice changes in your cervical mu mucus. And you'll write that down. Um, okay, so I'm experiencing changes in my discharge, which I don't want to call it discharge because people kind of think it's the same thing as like regular vaginal discharge. Mm -hmm. But you have cervical mucus that comes every um, every cycle when you ovulate. So noting those changes. And then um, after that is when we enter the luteal phase, which is when most of us experience, experience PMS. Um, and so noting, noting those changes, I'm feeling re really irritated today. Um, I'm really tired. I have a migraine. And so after you do that for about three months, I recommend women um, cycle tracking for about three months, you will be able to see patterns and to know, okay, um, on around cycle day 12, I get a burst of energy and I know ovulation's coming. Um, and then, or the opposite of that, it's cycle day 27. I'm feeling exhausted. I know my period is coming soon. And after a while, the more you do that, um, the faster it is for you to learn. So for me, I will wake up on ovulation day and I know I, oh, I'm going to ovulate today because I'm that in touch with my body. You also can do what's called temping. Um, but I don't rec necessarily recommend that at first because um, it can be kind of confusing and it kind of can put a lot on someone who's just starting. But essentially, you will take your temperature every morning, um, your basal body temperature, and that will determine, it'll help you determine where you are in your cycle. So at ovulation, you will see a rise in temperature. Um, and if you're pregnant, that temperature will remain high. Um, until it just remains high. <laughs> That's one way you can figure out that you're pregnant. If it does not, then the temp is going to drop, and you'll you'll see that, and you'll know. Okay, my period is actually coming. So um, that and that's a great, wonderful way. A lot of these, if you're familiar with the Daisy thermometer, mm -hmm. there's the Wink thermometer. There's the I think Lady Lady Comp. All of these things are using your temperature, which is actually the um, most accurate way to um, predict ovulation, but um, I know it can be a little bit intimidating for women just starting out. So I would say just start out with writing a little, keep a little journal and writing your symptoms down day to day, and then maybe in month two, adding in the thermometer. I love that. Love just really helping women get more in touch with their bodies and understand what is happening on their bodies from, you know, a day-to-day -day basis. Because I think with that knowledge and understanding is there's a lot of power that comes with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Such good advice. 
And I also love that in your content, you really focus on helping women understand the spiritual, mental, and emotional aspects related to their health and fertility, which I think we usually only think of as a very physical uh, process. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you incorporate these aspects into your practice? Absolutely. So um, beyond just visual visualization, meditation, which I think is great, um, I try to encourage my clients and obviously myself to kind of think of your day-to-day as a set of little rituals. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're getting up in the morning, you have a, your morning ritual. You have your lemon water, you stretch, you do dry brushing, you might do a nap yanga, um, and then you hop in the shower. And that was kind of your morning ritual. Um, and while you're doing those things, you're, you're moving a little bit slower. You're not rushing through them. Um, and you're very mindful about it. And I feel like doing that kind of changed the mindset around how you live. It's less like, I got to do this. I got to do that. Okay, now it's time to brush my teeth. I have to wash my hair. Um, And more like, okay, I'm going to take this very slow. I'm going to warm myself up for my day. I'm going to prepare myself in a mindful um, way to be well. Um, And I'm going to create a good day. Um, And so I think that when you kind of view... your life in that way, which I personally believe is living life in a more fertile way, mm-hmm. um, which is lush and lavish and rich, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, that's to me personally is more in tune with what we are supposed to do and be and act as women. It's just not rush, 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 but moving slowly, um, taking our time. Um, and how is that? It's spiritual in that um, it allows you to really be more mindful you watch the animals and or watch a bird in the morning it's not rushing to feed itself you know it's taking its time and then it's gonna graze the grass a little bit hang out and then it flies away um and kind of having that same uh view of taking things back to nature slowing everything down um and being so mindful and simple it's it's what i consider quote-unquote fertile living um and i think that spirituality is one thing that's really lost in preconception planning when it's one of the most spiritual things that can happen is mm-hmm. conception. Um, and so bringing the magic back into that outside of like, oh, there's magic in sex, but the magic and that that's the most creative thing a woman can do. I mean, you are creating a human being <laughs> from liquids. That is amazing. And so really tapping into that magic and um, embracing it. and really kind of owning it. Yeah, definitely. I love that you also talked about kind of adding fertility into everything that you do and creating mm-hmm. kind of fertile experiences in life that are very plentiful and lush and that it, fertility doesn't have to just mean one thing. I think that's a really powerful takeaway. Absolutely. So recently there have been a lot of conversations or a lot of light shed on the experiences uh, of Black women when it comes to medical care that can look a lot of different ways, but also around the areas of pregnancy and childbirth and how, at least in the United States, that, that looks very different for a lot of Black women. And this can range from maybe an overall lack of care or empathy for Black women in the medical community to the fact that according to the CDC, black women are three times more likely to die from childbirth or pregnancy related causes than white women. Um, And this is shown to be across class levels as well. I mean, we've even had really high profile women such as Beyonce or Serena Williams who have all the resources in the world who have not been exempt from these risks. So I think overall the causes of that are part of a broader conversation that needs to happen within the medical community. Um, But for Black women specifically, what can we do to kind of minimize as many of these risks as possible so we aren't leaving our lives and our future children's lives in the hands of a medical community that, according to the data, just doesn't seem to be as committed to our vitality and livelihood? Absolutely. And I think that's a really great uh, point that you brought up. Um, And also, you said that black women are three times as likely, they're also three times as likely to suffer from infertility as white women mm. on the same spectrum of race, I'm not speaking race, but income, education. Um, so 
which is really important to me because when you really kind of think of infertility, black women are never the face. Mm -hmm. um, and so I highly encourage one for us to know this, this fact, know that we're three times as likely to suffer from infertility, know that we're three times as likely to die in, in childbirth, um, know that we're treated differently because some people go in and they have no idea mm -hmm. that they are, you know, being oppressed. Um, I have, done a lot of work as a doula and you know i have heard so many stories of women going in um during childbirth and literally being abused of telling the doctor no i don't want to do that and the doctor doing it anyway or you know i don't want to um I, I want this for my baby and the doctor overriding that and acting like we don't know what's best for us um and this is where knowledge is truly power um, and knowing what, knowing your rights, first of all. So if you're going into the hospital and you're about to have a baby, know your rights in your states. Know what your doctor can and cannot do, what your nurse can and cannot do. This is where I think that having a doula or an advocate, it really is important. Have someone there that will speak up for you because when you're in childbirth or you're in a compromising um, position, you might not have that voice. So having someone there that can say, no, she doesn't want that. Or no, I think something's wrong. You need to pay attention here. I think that's super important. So if that's, you have a friend that's pregnant and you, you're aware of this knowledge and you're gonna go and support her in her birth or um, encouraging your friends or yourself to seek the help of a doula, I think is extremely important because uh, especially a doula of color because she's gonna be aware of these issues mm -hmm. and she's gonna be more likely to advocate for you um, there are, of course, non-doulas -doula, uh, of color who are non of color who could be helpful, but no one is going to know this experience like a black woman. Um, and so, and I personally believe that no one's going to advocate for you like a black woman because we just know. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I think that that's something that those two things are knowing your rights, knowing you know the statistics, the facts, and then um, advocating for yourself and having someone advocate for you are extremely, extremely important. Yeah, I think that that's really great advice when it comes to any healthcare of just arming yes. yourself with knowledge and making sure you have the right advocates. So important. Um, and for a little bit of background for our listeners, so Bree and I actually connected recently on Instagram. We were both tagged in a follower's story that was basically about how kind of underappreciated women of color are in the wellness space. And I think in her story, she had tagged both of us as like women of color in the wellness space to follow as like a, a good place to start, um, which I definitely appreciated. And that was how I found your profile. And then I saw your Instagram post where you were talking about the challenges that you have faced as a woman of color in the wellness space. Um, and for those who haven't seen this post yet, and I will make sure I link your Instagram and all of that information in the show notes. Can you talk to us about some of these things that you have experienced and tell us why you're so passionate about bringing more diversity, inclusion, and accessibility to the wellness space? Oh my goodness, we could be here all day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> Talking about my experiences, oh man, like there's so many. Mostly it's just that, um, when you think of wellness outside of being a black woman, let's say when a non-person of color thinks of wellness, they don't think of a black person. Mm -hmm. um, and they certainly, if they do, they typically are not thinking of someone who is brown um, and has more kinkier hair and more African-centered um, features. They're not thinking of that person. They're thinking someone who's usually more um, fair in complexion, more loosely colored, um, and loosely hair textured, just someone who has more proximity to European standards in their view. Okay. Um, and so I have gotten not, or like I should say, I have not been picked for many of things um, because, and, and there'll be, oh, we're considering you and someone else. And then I'll realize time and time again that the person typically with the fairer skin is chosen if it's me and another brown girl um, up against each other because they can never pick more than one for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, it's we always have to have one, the token black girl, but she has to be safe enough. Um, and that's another thing. I have, on the same hand, I know that I have been chosen because I speak well, um, because I am a safe black woman for white women. Um, and I know that about myself. I always have been. So I know that too, that I'm not super, you know, Afrocentric to them. So that's not intimidating. Um, I'm not really, I'm not an intimidating person, which sometimes that they think that we are. Um, and so I know that on the same hand that I have been chosen because I am a safe black girl. Um, let's see, I have been in articles with women, um, two of which, three, there are three of us in the article. Two of us have actual certifications. One of us did not. And you will guess who was the face of the article. It was the person with no formal training, but she was white and she has, you know, 200, 300,000 followers. So of course her face is on the article as was the other um, lady involved, but mine was the only one not not shown. Um, just little things like that. And some, some people might not think, oh, that's not a big deal. And I mean, it's not a huge deal to me. It's not like I lost sleep over it. But those little things, we as Black women, we notice and they add up. Yep. Um, I have been, you know, sometimes when I speak up, what I have, my experiences have been invalidated. Oh, I don't think they mean that. Or, you know, I'm so sorry. We, we try to make sure that we are inclusive. Um, and <laughs> it's like, we try. Okay. Um, I've been picked for um, retreats. And then when I ask if there'll be any other black in attendants told, oh, we can't make any promises, which to me tells me, you know, we've been, we're picking you and I can't, promise you if any other black person is going to be there. Mm. Um, and disregarding my, my request. And when I said that I don't feel safe being in a place that there are no other people of color because it's not safe. Mm -hmm. um, going into wellness um, events and being the only person of color and kind of being, um, you know, feeling like the outsider, clearly the black sheep, but then also you're tokenized and you kind of just feel I don't know, gross. Do, do you feel that way? I just feel like used, oh, yeah. almost yeah. like used, you know? Mm -hmm. um, there's just so many, so many experiences where, and even then I think that there's kind of like a, like a, a, a favorites for black women that they do pick. Um, and so it's kind of hard to get, get your foot in that door, I guess you could say, mm -hmm. um, to become one of those people. Cause there's kind of like a handful that they pick for everything. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to kind of get your foot in that door. But at the same time, I'm happy that at least some of us are there, um, representing for us And there. And I don't want to sound like these women are not amazing because they're all amazing. They've all built beautiful platforms that help so many. I just would like to see more diversity within the black women that are picked. Because yeah. um, I think that that's truly inclusiveness. Um, picking black women who come from different financial backgrounds. You know, we see a lot of these black girls who they have a certain aesthetic um, that are picked and it's like, oh girl, I can't afford that. So, <laughs> you know, e even there's diversity in financial backgrounds. Um, picking someone who can represent women who, um, who I've never, I have yet to see a black woman who's like her platform is sharing, um, food, like healthy food on like a snap budget or, um, you know, on food stamps, mm -hmm. her be picked for anything. I, there are women out there doing that, but I've never seen that woman picked for anything mm -hmm. because that doesn't fit into the illusion of wellness being this um, exclusive kind of in, entitled or enlightened club that you have to have a certain income. You have to be able to buy these adaptogens and um, the latest powders and superfoods. Otherwise you're not well. And that's the biggest lie. You know, if you are eating well, I mean, and that can be just fresh veggies, um, great animal protein if you're eating it um, and plenty of water, then that's great. You don't have to have the latest powders and protein shakes and all this other mixes and herbs and oils and all this stuff. Um, and I think that a lot of times the wellness 
industry excludes a lot of people for that exact reason that they feel, oh, I can't afford this. So I'm just like not going to do it at all. When you can just start where, where you are and what you have. I think that's really important. Oh, yeah. You just hit the nail on the head with everything that you just said. I mean, I think in terms of the wellness space feeling feeling so exclusive and accessible to many people, that's kind of how the space continues to profit. Because mm-hmm. if it's if it's made to be depicted as accessible, which it is absolutely accessible, we just don't get shown a lot of images of that, then it's less of a commodity. And then it's less of a then people actually get well because they see that they can and then they don't buy into, you know, <laughs> the fads and unnecessary things that were sold every day. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Exactly. And I can also relate to so much of what you said about being the only woman of color in the room. And I mean, I know for me, I've had a little bit of a different experience where I probably, not probably, I most definitely fall on the other side of the spectrum of, you know, probably having an appearance that is closer in proximity to Eurocentric features and definitely still being kind of a quote unquote safe or palatable um, black woman. I mean, I can just relate to so many of so much of that and mm-hmm. also am so bothered by that mentality. So yeah, me too. <laughs> I so appreciate, I appreciate you sharing that for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, and I don't know that I said why I'm passionate about it, but I'm passionate oh, yeah. about it because I mean, it's me. Mm-hmm. So I have to, although I never, I tell my friend all the time, like, I do not want to kind of pigeonhole myself into the face of um, race and wellness. At the same time, though, I will be so quick to let people know (laughs) that um, what's going on and that I'm 100% an advocate for diversity and inclusiveness and wellness. It's something that I will always be passionate about because I know how it feels. I didn't grow up in the same income that I am now. I didn't grow up um, with the things that I have now and the ability to buy the things that I have. And so I know what it's like to watch, you know, your mom struggle to feed you healthy food because she doesn't have enough money. Um, and now as an adult, being able to get whatever I need pretty much, but still knowing what that's like. Um, and having that had been my childhood, it's something that I am deeply passionate about and will always kind of remember. I'll never be too big to remember what it feels like to not have. And that's what I always will advocate for. Absolutely. And that's so powerful and so needed because there are far more people who are in that situation and can relate to that than there are this kind of small group of people at the top who kind of do fit that false picture of, of wellness that we've been sold. Absolutely. Yeah. And I also love that you are really open about kind of along the same lines, talking about breaking generational patterns. So either helping your clients do so um, or doing so as yourself as the first woman in your maternal lineage to prioritize and invest in reproductive health. I know you've, you've shared about that before. So what do you think are some of the obstacles women of color face when it comes to prioritizing our reproductive health? What are some of these generational patterns and how can we overcome them? Mm. Um, Well, I'll use example from my family. Um, So I, my mother had a hysterectomy when she was 36. I was um, seven or eight. Um, Her, she has three sisters, only one of them out of the four sisters had not had a hysterectomy, wow. um, which is crazy when you think three in four. Um, and her mother, she wasn't able to conceive until she was um, maybe 40, 41. So she had children very late. Um, and so already it was kind of a pattern of um, womb health being there, like an issues in womb health there. And so I grew up very young seeing my mom um, bleeding so much. I mean, I would see her have to go to the bathroom every single hour because she was bleeding so heavily. She had endometriosis um, so bad. And, um, you know, I remember being so young and seeing her and wanting to have more siblings, but she just could not make that happen um, because her endometriosis was so bad. The doctor told her I was a miracle because she didn't think that she would ever be able to actually have kids. And so um, 
looking at those patterns in my family and saying, okay, why is it that three out of four women all had hysterectomies? And taking a look at, I actually did a kind of like a chart, which I recommend for my clients as well. And you make like a family graph and you put each person down and you're going to write down what you know about their health history or what you know about their lifestyle. So I wrote down for all my aunts, okay, she lived a high, very she has a high functioning job, high, very high performance. She's very stressed out. Um, she doesn't sleep well. I, I wrote everything I knew about her, had the hysterectomy, had four miscarriages, and so on. And I went through every single person and did that. And I looked at the, the graph overall and I said, oh my God, you know, there is such a disconnect here with reproductive health. Um, and so immediately I said, okay, well, I have to make a change. Doing the work that I'm doing already, I knew I already made a, a, a break in the pattern. Um, but then also realizing what, what were, were the underlying issues. And truly, I believe beyond the physical and um, environmental factors of, and genetics, but I also think that a lot of them had to do with, I know those, my, my three aunts and my mother um, did not deal with their emotional issues. Mm. They have a lot of pain. Um, and we as women, very often we store that pain and that anger and resentment, um, all of that, we store that and carry that in our wounds. And so I knew um, I had to do a lot of, of emotional work because I have personally experienced um, sexually, sexual abuse um, and just a lot of trauma in my life. So I knew I had to work through this trauma because I'm carrying this in my womb. And in order for me to break this cycle and to birth a daughter who does not have these, um, these same kind of patterns or who won't be introduced to these same patterns, I have to do the emotional work, which means I, I went to therapy. I talked about it. I still do. I talk about it um, to kind of really work through the pain um, and uh, generations, truly generations of pain. It's kind of like my mom would tell me that my grandmother, there was a lot that she could never express. You know, back in those days, you didn't talk, black people, black people didn't talk about feelings, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and so there was a lot that she didn't express. And I feel it's my duty to express those things that she wasn't able to. And in doing so, um, I'm help healing that, that lineage of um, healing the womb line, I should say, because I'm getting out those things that she repressed in her womb. Um, because we know that you, you are in your grandmother's womb, right? Mm -hmm. So you were an egg in your grandmother's womb. Well, you were an egg within an egg <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and you're in your, in your grandmother's womb. And so we, we, absolutely is something called epigenetics we absolutely have experienced is um some of those things th same things that she went through i mean especially black people with transgenerational trauma we our genes still remember what it was like to be enslaved mm -hmm. and so we have to work through that trauma um and so much of it is really and truly tied to our womb um and i think that's why black women especially see so much PCOS, fibroids, endometriosis, not only is because we live in such a racist society, but also because um, there's so much pain. We are holding on to so much pain and trauma as a collective. Um, and we are storing that in our, in our wounds and, and we're just kind of passing it on from generation to generation. And when we do that work, it really truly can um, break a cycle and allow for a new pattern to come, which the new pattern for me will be, we're going to express our feelings. If we're angry, we're going to express that. When we're happy, we're going to express that. When we're sad, we're going to express that. Um, we're going to talk about these things. We're going to talk about our womb health. We're going to make sure that we are prioritizing rest and wellness and water and the things that we know that are healthy for our womb, wombs rather than um, just kind of going about our day, never thinking about it. I'm going to put my hand on my womb and tell her, you know, thank you for what you do. I appreciate you. I love you. I can promise you that's nothing. That's something that never happened generations before mine. Mm -hmm. um, and so just those simple things can truly, um, really make a shift. And um, I think that I would highly encourage all black women to really dive deep into this kind of work because it's so necessary for us. So necessary and so, so powerful. I know I was taking notes just now. 
of all the work I know I need to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually have a friend who um, she's a therapist and she kind of specializes in that. Her name is Live Unconventional or Live Marie 08. Oh. Um, and she can help you if you are looking for a coach or somebody to kind of help you work through these um, traumas and these experiences. A lot of us have um, mother wounds, which is um, issues with our moms. A lot of us have that. Um, and so kind of working through those issues with with the maternal line. So yeah, hit her up if you need any help. Oh, yes, that's incredible. And we'll be sure to share her information in the show notes as well. Um, so that everyone can check her out because the more resources, the better. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would love to talk a little bit um, about your personal self-care, especially because you have such a service-oriented business that involves taking care of others, helping your clients. Um, What are some things that you do to purely take care of you? Mm. I recently kind of switched things up where I realized I was kind of waking up and just starting my day and I was doing my rituals and stuff, but I was kind of jumping right into the work. Um, And so now I don't do any work without doing my personal work first, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, And what came, I had actually did a fast last week before last, no, that was last week. Um, And that came during my fast was, you're doing the work before you do your work. And so I was like, oh my gosh. Um, And so now I've kind of really had to make a shift of um, prioritizing my personal work. So yes, I'm doing my morning routines and rituals, but making sure that um, doing something as simple as, I love to draw and color. So um, I can do a little drawing in my mandala coloring book before I meet with someone um, or before I have a meeting. For instance, this week I had a workshop earlier. I knew I would be speaking with 20 to 30 women holding space. Um, And I'm a deeply sensitive person. So I will feel each and every person in that room. Um, and so I made sure I took a grounding bath before I went. I took lots of CBD um, to just prepare myself and my, because I knew, um, and, and I made sure I kind of did the golden bubble where you kind of imagine yourself in a protective bubble so that I wouldn't be drained of my energy because I am one of those people that truly will, I feel so much. Um, and so, which is a blessing and a curse, but um, recently I have kind of shifted, well, for the new year, I will be shifting my um, structure in the way that I work because I realized that, you know, my husband and I are going to start trying for a baby next year. And I realized that one of the things that was taking up so much space in my life um, is my work with my clients because I go beyond just meeting twice a month. I'm holding space for you as long as we're working together. Yeah. So I could be, I'm, I might have spoken with you last Friday and now it's two Mondays later and I'm in the shower and I've gotten an, a download about your situation or something intuitively came to me that I need to speak with you about. And, and I'll text you and let you know. And so that's outside of that 30 minute or 45 minute coaching session that we have. I'm still holding space for you constantly um, while I'm working with you. And I kind of realized that that has to change. Um, I can't be holding space for so many people at at any given time and trying to um, bring in, create space for a baby. So I kind of had to restructure things a little bit. This will actually be my first year, not necessarily working one-on-one, but working more in groups Mm -hmm. um, so that I can share more at with more people at a time rather than um, just one-on-one. And it's easier for me to hold space in that way because once I leave this event, we're done rather than me thinking about four women um, and what they're going through. And some of the women that I work with, I mean, they're, they're going through some serious stuff, some serious things. Um, And so it's, it's a blessing to be able to hold that space, but it's also quite the responsibility. Um, and it's, I feel very grateful that I am entrusted with that, with so many, I mean, people, even in my messages on, on Instagram, people will pour their life stories in, and it is heavy and it's a lot. And I don't think people truly understand, um, how much that when you're getting 10 of those a day, how much that can wear on your spirit, Um, especially when you're kind of doing, 
um, their message is about infertility. Um, and I am trying to enter a very fertile space of for myself. Um, and it, it's kind of just counterproductive of constantly being in infertility when I'm trying to be fertile. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. So it's kind of, I've had to do a shift. I'm still want to help these women just as much. I still want to um, provide them with just as much information, but um, creating energetic boundaries. And I think this is important for women. We kind of don't realize, we'll just pour, pour our energy out. Um, we don't think, how can I restructure myself or my life or what I'm doing, my work to fit better for so that I can do, create space for something or I'm less stressed out in my life or whatever it is. Um, and so I've decided to kind of just create some more boundaries there um, with people and with my clients and with my energetic space, I should say, um, and really kind of refocus on helping more rather than uh, more people as a group rather than one-on-one -on -one because that work, it can be really difficult. And I find that women like us who work with women one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. are almost always they always have some kind of energy drain um, where they're leaking energy out to people. Just having a lot of followers on Instagram, I don't think people realize can be an energetic drain. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> so, and I think I have like half of what you do. So I already know, like it just, you know, it can be a lot. Um, and so really it's in, in doing this work in fertility, it's extremely important that we learn boundaries and protecting our space, both online, energetically and physically. So much yes to everything you said. And I think for so many women, we're not taught to protect our energetic boundaries. We're not mm -hmm. taught to protect our energy levels. I mean, you're, our energy is like a bank account. And when you overdraw, that's it. Nothing there. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Continuously deposit into that. And I love mm -hmm. that that's your approach to self-care and just how you are able to, to restructure things to still help others, but also show up as your best self. Absolutely. It's so good. So good. I love that you shared that. And you are so right. I mean, it. any client-facing work, any online facing work is a lot more draining than people realize. Absolutely. A lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Yes. A lot, a lot. Um, and I don't think people kind of grasp that because uh, I know if they did, they wouldn't, they wouldn't like send the kind of messages that they do. No, yeah. <laughs> it goes down in the DM for sure. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> it stresses me out. I can't wait to hire someone just to answer DMs. <laughs> oh yes. That is the goal. Truly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> DMs and emails because yes. those are my, my most draining things are my DMs and my emails. Yes. So, well, it's because, I mean, when you're in a space where you're constantly giving so much and so many of the conversations with people is like, yeah, but give me some more. Let me, let me take yes. some more. <laughs> yeah. And there's not a like, and let, I, let, I want to briefly talk about this too. As yeah. women, we have to stand up for ourselves financially because mm -hmm. we will just give and give and give. And I have, I personally think that that has everything to do. I mean, being fertile is like, it has to do with abundance mm -hmm. um, and being abundant. And you, it's hard to be abundant if you are constantly giving. And I really believe in reciprocity. So if I'm giving you something energetically, you're going to have to give me something back. Yes. It does not necessarily have to be monetary, but it has to be something, an mm -hmm. energetic exchange. And I think that can be such a profound shift for women to realize there has to be in every single one of my relationships, friendships, business, anything. If there is no reciprocity, if I'm not getting anything out of this, it has to go because it's not serving me. It's literally just leaching and draining my energy. This has happened with family members, my own father. Like I was like, you know what? You are an energetic drain in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I had to separate myself. I'm so quick to protect. That's a really good way to understand, like to protect your energy. And it has so much to do with your finances too. Um, if you are just giving, 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 and you find yourself broke it's because you are it's not equal money is in it it's an energy mm -hmm. and you have, it has to flow so if it, you're just giving 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 it's only flowing in one direction um and you have to receive it as well so 
not and it doesn't again it doesn't even have to be monetary but if someone you're bartering service services so you know for me i have a really great friend she's a chiropractor her and i i do reiki we just switch um you know we don't charge each other but she does reiki i, I do reiki on her she adjusts me um i have so many friends that i just kind of barter with because everyone has something to offer so don't feel like oh i don't have any money i can't give to this person or if you're writing um you know sending her you a message or sending me a message and you want some kind of service don't just ask for it for free say hey brie i've got this service i can offer you if, if it's even like graphic design i don't i can't pay you right now but i can do some graphic design for you would you be interested in that i would be far more likely to entertain what you're saying anyone will when there's an energetic exchange there rather than just mm -hmm. like hey I need help. This is my list of problems. What can I do? Um, because I promise you, I'm probably going to send that to the, like the delete because it's just yeah. not fair. It's yeah. truly not fair. And I know there are some women listening right now who absolutely needed to hear that because mm -hmm. it's so easy to feel like you have to be a martyr and you have to give and give and that no. it's not okay to, you know, want any reciprocity and that's just not true oh it's not true at all and you will be broke if you continue you will be broke your entire life if, yes. you, <laughs> if you continue that and i why i started seeing a huge shift in my finances when i stopped discounting my services mm. i stopped allowing um you know people to oh you can just kind of pay me what you what you can when i stopped mm. doing all that um, I saw a huge change and people are still booking. It's not like, you know, I didn't get, I saw a drop. No, if anything, I saw an increase because now I'm getting more money because they're paying full price. And then also people are respecting me and they're getting better services because when you invest, you're more likely to, you know, do whatever is asked of you rather than, oh, I got this for $50 when it's usually $165. i am not going to really pay attention. But if you had to save up to pay that $165, your ass is going to do it. <laughs> for sure. So, it's so much easier for other people to see your value if you present yes. yourself knowing your value. Exactly. So please, if anyone doesn't take anything away from this conversation, value yourself. <laughs> because your fertility, it, it, that in itself is absolutely connected to your fertility. Yes. Oh, I love that. So Brie, what does being a balanced black girl mean to you? Mm, I love that. I think it means for me, balance just always means um, being in touch with my body. So, and, and not just my body, but um, my mental, my emotional, my spiritual health, um, and really taking care of those things. I don't believe that balance is stillness. I used to buy into that illusion. Um, I like to give in the analogy of a man on the tightrope walking, and when he's using that pole, he's constantly moving. That man is never still. If he's still, mm -hmm. he's going to fall off the rope. Mm -hmm. um, he's constantly, that, po that pole is constantly swaying back and forth um and that's what balance is to me is swaying in okay right now i'm more focused on my mental health right now i'm more focused on my spiritual health or my my body um and not getting too lost in any one of those things but kind of being swaying into all aspects of my life um so that nothing is missing but also everything is kind of getting touched on um and again for me, especially, it's not the stillness. Like I am, I, I don't know if you're into astrology, but I'm a Gemini moon. Yes. So stillness is like not really our thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, we like to do a million things at a time. And so I have to, how, having balance in that is swaying. It's the sway for me on the tightrope. Um, and allowing, I like to see it as like a dance, allowing myself to dance, to kind of um, live a more balanced and harmonious life. I freaking love that because I think a lot of people think balance is like this end goal. And then once we get to this quote unquote area of balance, then we're, it's like, we're good. We're here. Mm -hmm. We stay like this. And that's not at no, all. It's not realistic <laughs> because something else is going to change. You get a new yeah. job, you yeah. move, you have a baby, you have a, you get a new partner. Like something, life is always throwing something at you to like kind of disrupt whatever you thought <laughs> was balanced. <laughs> so I think that keeping that the idea of like the sway um, and just being like dancing 
through those things, it's like, it's a far better way. Um, I think mentally a health, more healthy way to look at it. Cause a lot of times, like you said, we'll be hard on ourselves. Like, why can I, I'm just, you know, especially women, um, and mothers, I've got so many things you're trying to raise your family. You're, you have your husband or spouse, a partner, and you've got these children. Um, you've got your job and you've got your other relationships and you're trying to quote unquote have balance or stillness and all of those things, you're going to, you're going to lose it. Um, but instead realizing that, um, the, if you kind of look at it as like the, everything, they're all different plates on your table. Um, and realizing that you'll have to grab a few bites or grab a few, um, little nibbles from a plate at different times, um, and put them on different plates. So I'm taking from this plate and adding to this one, or I'm going to take from this one and add to this one all the time. Um, you, you'll be able to stay more just in tune and aligned, I think. Yes. Oh, that is such good advice. So Brie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Where can our audience find you? Because you dropped so much good knowledge. I know everybody is going to want to run and follow you. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm Fertile Alchemy on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I don't really tweet or Facebook that much. I'm not the greatest at those, but <laughs> um, definitely find me on Instagram. My website is fertilealchemy.com. I've got a blog there that I try to share um, some really helpful information. And yeah, I'm out there. Not hard to find. Drop me a DM and let me know you heard this podcast. Um, I also have a Fertile Alchemy Aromatic Oil, which is an essential oil designed for feminine balance. If you send me a DM letting me know that you listen to this podcast, I will send you a discount code. Uh, bomb. So y'all need to get on that. And we will make sure we have those instructions in the, in the show notes too, because that's, an inc that's incredible. Thank you so much for doing that. Absolutely. No problem. <laughs>